0: Recording in progress.
1: Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, I just come boldly before your throne of grace. I thank you so much for just being full time in our lives. God, I ask that you allow us to, you know, be obedient to your word. Let us be pleasing to you, God. God, please just remove all of the negative things in our lives that is hindering us from moving forward in our walk and in righteousness in our relationship with you, God. Uprooted out of our lives, God, let us be able to hear your voice and follow you, God let us always be sensitive to the voice of the holy spirit and sensitive to you god let us see people through your eyes and not our own and hear them through your ears and not our own so that we're not depending on our own under level of understanding things but we're understanding people in the world the way that you understand it god we want to depend on you god our perspective is attached to you god our focus is attached to you lord And so god we just ask that you just please allow us to fulfill your plan will and purpose lord we ask that you allow us to to move in life through glory to glory to glory and breakthrough to breakthrough to breakthrough father god we just thank you right now that we attach ourselves to every blessing that you have for us god you are our stronghold lord So we just ask that you continue to allow your will to be fulfilled in us, God. Continue to use us, whatever it takes. Lord, shaking and awakening everybody in the world, including me, God. Shaking and awakening us all so that we can live a life that is fulfilling god so that we can have the peace that transcends all understanding god allow us to you know just hear your voice keep us to 20 000 steps ahead of every situation lord and let us be obedient to you god and so most importantly lord we want your will to be done so god i ask that you just please lead me in this discussion allow me to discuss everything that i need to today don't let me forget anything lord uh, but most importantly father god i just pray that you please allow your will to be done in our life not our will or anyone else's will god we want your purpose your plan your will for our lives in the name of jesus christ it is sealed in your blood. amen thank you all so much for joining me today on lost life and health let's talk about it so um i apologize for starting a little late um but i do have a very interesting discussion today so um, before I get started, just some housekeeping rules. Um, if you have a question, please raise your hand or put them in the Q and A on the Zoom link. Uh, I will I will be able to see them there and I will respond there. Okay, if you have a question on one of the Audible apps like iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple or podme or any of those, Samsung, um, Amazon, uh, just go ahead and put it in the comments and I'll be able to respond to you there. Okay so um today i am continuing on in the discussion of women's health and so this is somewhat of a trending topic and i wanted to start out with saying we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with situations right and so let me explain what that means so yesterday when i went to church um i wore a dress and so wearing dresses for me let me just explain this okay ever since i was young like i would say maybe 11 or 12 years old i never used to like wearing dresses when i put on a dress i can't play i always like jumping up on things i love jumping on trees jumping off of them jumping off everything like so me and my friends we will always play but play around On the block and everything and so I was just very playful. I love riding bikes Um, I was an outdoor type of person and so wearing skirts For me was something that I didn't want to wear because you can't ride a bicycle wearing a skirt You can't ride on your skateboard wearing a skirt. You can't um, rollerblade wearing a skirt and so it was kind of hard for me sometimes to wear skirts because I just felt like wearing a skirt, I cannot play. I cannot do a lot of stuff that I wanted to do when I was a kid. So my mom, what she did was, I would say I was around 11 years old and she bought me a skirt. And so this is the first time in my life that I had on a skirt. And um, well, no, this wasn't the first time. This is the first time where I was basically forced to put on a skirt. Um, when I was a little bit younger than that, maybe it was probably about seven or nine, My mommy has always put me on these like matching skirt outfits and stuff, and I never liked wearing them, so I would always take them off um, after we would take pictures, and so I would just get out of those clothes. Um, so I put on a skirt because I was forced to wear this skirt. Uh, I was around 11 years old. And so I came in and my mom, she had got rid of all of my clothes. And so I love wearing Jordans, jump shoes, uh, windbreakers, uh, uh, like old school stuff. I I just like wearing comfortable clothes. And so I was more like a tomboy, but that was because mainly I love riding bicycles. That's something that I really enjoy doing all the time. Especially when I would visit my dad, I always wore, just like jump shoes and and jogging pants windbreakers um shorts stuff like that and so yes so um what happened was when i put on this skirt my mom has took off all she took all of my clothes that my dad had bought me like my jump shoes my um pants my windbreakers and all of that stuff she took it and so like i had to dress like a girl all the time and it wasn't the fact that I was, like, gay at this time. I was only 11 years old. I just really wanted to just play and play rough and, like, you know, jump. Sometimes I would jump rope. and But most of the time, i like, riding on the bicycles and playing around and stuff and jumping on trees. And so having a skirt on wasn't suitable for those type of activities. And so what happened was I ended up... Getting used to wearing this skirt, but when some of my friends, when they first seen me with this skirt on, they was like so shocked, they was like, Oh my god, stars, you got a skirt! So, um, the point, the the main reason why I'm saying all of this is because yesterday I had on a dress, so um, when I went to church, I wore a dress and it was kind of fitted, but it was long, so it came past my knees when it kept rolling up because um you know my body the way it's shaped is round and stuff so I felt uncomfortable so let me talk about this for a moment being uncomfortable with wearing a, a fitted dress when I could wear a pants outfit and I would be so comfortable and it, it didn't matter like how it was and then most of the time since my waist has always been small i would wear like these tops where it showed my cleavage so now i don't have any of those tops anymore but i do just wear the pants and so wearing a dress it was uncomfortable for me all right i had to sit a certain way um that's not something that i'm accustomed to doing but i I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. And so God is telling me that I need to broaden the scope of my perspective, meaning that I can't just continue to wear pants and continue to wear like comfortable clothes all the time. I need to be diverse in the way that I dress. And so um, how does this relate to women's health? Well, all of that was an uncomfortable experience, and I believe that, that that probably was actually my second time, actually, no, my third time this year wearing a dress. And um, because I just don't wear them. You got to sit a certain way and everything like that. And so when you think about doing things that's uncomfortable, it makes you never want to do it because it's an uncomfortable situation or it's an uncomfortable experience. And so today I really would like to talk about eugenics and how eugenics, it is something that has been forced upon the American culture. And it is a very uncomfortable experience. So when you think about the LGBTQ transgender population of people, And some people call the mutilation of children. That is something that rubs the lives of many people the wrong way. And so it it, it creates a culture within a culture that is very uncomfortable for many people. So although I had wore this dress and I'm uncomfortable with that, but I did it because it allowed me to experience something that I, I need to get accustomed to feeling. I need to wear dresses more often. Um, And so how does that relate to eugenics? Well, although many of us may not agree with what's happening in society, when it comes to the mutilation of children or the choice that children are able to make at very, very young ages, we still as a collective whole, a collective race of people, all of us, I'm not talking about one specific race because eugenics has no respect of a person, all right? It doesn't matter if you're Hispanic, if you're African-American or if you're Caucasian, the way that eugenics is being applied and within the, the transgender and LGBTQ community is really hardening for in the lives of a lot of people. And so it is a very, very uncomfortable discussion and uncomfortable topic to talk about. So today, I want to let you all know that I will be talking about some very explicit discussions about eugenics and racial and ethnic cleansing okay in addition to that before i delve um deep into that discussion i would like to first talk about relationships so i have a video that i would like to show now so before i get started with that you know i have to start out with my bible verses okay so let me go ahead and share my screen And so I'm going to share the sound. Let me share everything. Okay. So now um there is this video, um but before I get started to th- before I get started with that, I would like to talk about submission. So, women's help has everything to do with the way we submit. Okay? So the way society is really you know, um, oh, sister, hey, I was going to say thank you so much for the love. I would like to invite you as a speaker if you like. Um, That way you can be a panelist. I just sent you a request if you can hear me. I don't know if you can hear me. Sometimes I'm having um these technical problems. But if you'd like to be a speaker, I've sent you that request. Okay. All right. So does a wife have to submit to her husband? So we're gonna go to Ephesians. And so this is Ephesians 5, 22 and 24, which I've already talked about on this podcast several times. Um, I don't go to Biblia, I use Bible Gateway. Um, so this is what the Bible says wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives submit to their husbands and everything so the the thing about this is there are so many deferring beliefs so the main question here is for the women that is in the back of the room if if you believe in god what do you believe about submitting to your husband and so i would like to talk about this video it's um it's called men commit women submit rules of modern dating and understanding women is complicated so this is actually um it's complicated channel and um i did look at this video somebody has sent this to me and i just thought that it would be very interesting to be able to share on the podcast um so i think some of the videos some some parts of the video they are using I'm not sure if they're using profanity. I, I think it was another one. I actually saw, I watched three of their videos. And so, let's go ahead and um look at this.
2: Who is more easily bored in relationships, men or women?
3: Men, for sure. Why? Because I feel like they get bored too fast.
4: Um, I feel like, well, here you
5: go men are always looking for the next thrill
4: a lot of people would answer i guess men are the ones who are easily bored because they they um cheat or they move on or they want to find another woman or that but i would think of it as as a woman a lot of women are confusing a lot of women don't know what they want themselves causing a man to be confused of himself so he can't Really get what he wants from a woman. But that doesn't make it okay to cheat. But as a woman, I feel like they do get bored. They do get tired of hearing the I love you every day. They want something that's a challenge. They want something that they can't get. A woman's going to go try and get a man that, that that they can't or can do something better than the other man. And they can't get him. So they're going to keep chasing it. So that's, I feel like that's why a woman a woman would want more.
6: If women are more easily bored, why are they more likely to want marriage and commitment? Because marriage is the excitement. Right, marriage is the the story, marriage is the fairy tale, and marriage is the dream that's been sold.
2: Is it harder for a man to get the woman he wants into bed, or for a woman to get the man she wants to commit?
3: Mm, Yeah, I would definitely say it's harder for the woman to get the man to commit, for
6: sure. If
2: women think men are trash, why are they so interested in getting his commitment? (laughs)
3: <laughs> because we have goals we want to be married we want to start families there's things that we want to do in life like
4: you know yeah
2: would you say the majority of women are followers or leaders by nature
4: i would say a lot of women are followers we a lot of us follow what we see on social media a lot of us want the body type that another woman likes or has or the curvy expected body shape of real. like now um a lot of women follow other women it's like that's why women get bbls this is why women dress the way they dress like other ones And it's not all of us but a lot of us do it because we are followers and we don't want to have our own style we we are afraid to not be accepted
1: leaders okay so that's very interesting that she said that so a lot of women is from what she's saying is our followers of other people simply because they don't know how to be their authentic selves and um because when you're your authentic self then that means it requires you to be accepted and so that lack of acceptance sometimes hinders people from you know um switching up and doing something different thinking outside of the box doing something that's authentic instead of not yeah so um i think that that is important um and so, you know, like, if there is so many women that, hey, you on here now, right? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear right? you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So what do you think about what you just heard?
0: Uh, I think, like, when I was in my flesh, I could relate to that, what she was saying, like, about social media and, you know, the stigmas that we see of... You know it's like it's it puts in these like uh what am i trying to say the false idea of like what women are and like what men want like because you're thinking about like your flesh but me like i feel like from my own point of view like i always been independent in my own life and so with that being independent you're naturally a leader right and so i felt like the power of god like you your boundaries are different. You know, you you don't just like it well, flesh, like you just you can just go anyway. You're open-minded. You know, you like she said, it's like, you know, people think about what they see. You know, oh, people getting DBLs, oh, I'm gonna follow that. Or, you know, people are going to different countries to get their teeth. And you know, so many things. I've never wanted to do anything like that. Um, but I'm just grateful for the power of the Lord just saving my life because that power, the love that I have for him, it's never going to make me, you know, fall short of the boundaries that I want spiritually. So, like, my husband is going to be somebody that, you know, is there? Is it just going to be there for me and love God as much as he loves me, you know? But he has to put God first before me, and you know, so it's just, I think, like, the more you live and the, you know, really, the more you get to know Christ, your boundaries change, you know. um But I think just for me, it, you know, it just made you know, my leadership be more different, right? So it's like, I have to disciple the people. I got to, you know, be open and tell my testimony because you so vulnerable and I love that about you. you know like, I'm in the shadows, you know, and God is saying, no, you know, baby, go out there, tell me your story and be voiceless, you know? So I appreciate you because your testimony helped me too.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. And I, I like the I like what you said specifically saying that, the more that you know Christ, the more you set boundaries, right? Is that what you said?
0: Yeah, I have spiritual <laughs> boundaries
1: i I think that's what I call it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so when you say boundaries, like what type of boundaries are you reflecting on?
0: So I think I talked to you about it one day too, like for example, like if I'm talking to someone. Like they'd be like, oh, well, I love God, I know God. Okay, well, if I'm not here or we're not around each other, what does that look like for you in your own life? You know, do you get up, you pray? Do you ask God for your wife? Do you ask for specific qualities for you as a dad? Like that says a lot about a person, character, like how they take care of their kids. Like, are you praying to God for these things? Are you fasting, are you praying, are you going to church? Uh, you know, are you withstanding from, you know, being intimate, things like that, you know? So those are my boundaries. I'm like, okay, you know, because a lot of people say they believe in God and that they love God, but it, but what is your separate relationship that you have with Him aside from me being a part of it? You know, because then you know, like like minds can join together and we can, you know, be like in the kingdom spousehood forever. You know what I mean? But it's just that foundation first. That that's a boundary for me.
1: Hmm. I like that. I really like that. Just setting those the boundaries of abstinence, you know. Um, it's kind of hard doing that. I like that from you. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um. Okay. So let's get back to the video. They, because they actually talks about. I think it's this video. I actually watched three of them. I was trying to get the best one. I watched so. Hopefully, this is it. I think it was the other one though, but it's okay.
5: By nature because we're taught to be more aggressive, and the men, yeah, Yeah. and men don't like to step up these days, so we take matters into our own hands.
2: Why do women want to be leaders if they don't like taking accountability?
3: I take accountability. (laughs) accountability. Yeah, I'm always willing to learn if it's something that I'm doing wrong, please, baby, tell me so that I can correct my actions, because if I want the relationship to work, then I need to be open to change, so...
6: I truly don't believe that they're meant to be in leadership positions. I'm not saying that women can't lead, but I mean overall, in general, men are meant to lead, and it's due to things like accountability and things like that.
4: You wanna, you wanna say, oh yeah, I'm a very independent woman, and I can do this, and I can do that, and you want.
6: I picked the software engineering program because they pay very well. well. Mama, it's, it's a
5: fast-paced ad- industry
1: ad- who
6: ad- can't ad- allowed me to.
4: You want to like prove that you're better than the average or prove that you're better than a man. I feel like a lot of women want that leadership because they want to be better than a man or they want to they want to outdo everyone else. Because I guess it's not expected for a woman.
2: Are women not submitting because men don't want to provide or are men not providing because women don't want to submit?
5: Men aren't providing because women don't want to submit. They want to feel like, okay. so let's talk about that. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Men are not providing because women don't want to submit. So let's talk about this Bible verse here. There is the verse. Um, if you have you have your Bible, okay. Let
0: me open it up. I'm ready.
1: Okay, yeah, thank you. All right. Hmm. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. So First Timothy chapter two, verse eleven through fifteen. Could you read that? The NIV version. Eleven
0: through
1: Fifteen.
0: Okay. Okay. You want in? Okay. I'm on alt. One second here. One and a half for you. Okay. Okay. Eleven through
1: fifteen.
0: Okay. Thank you. So, first Timothy 2, 11 through fifteen. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. Okay, she must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one that was deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Wow. Uh, okay, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with proper oh
1: propriety, propriety. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, and so that was First Timothy two. Eleven through fifteen. Nope. Finish. Finish going. Oh, that's oh, my no, whole no. thing. That was it. That was yeah, it. That's I'm out. <laughs> <my laughs> <way. laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So um what I wanted to do now mm-hmm. is I talked about this the other day, but I didn't have this video attached to it. So what I would like to do is go to the Strong Concord now. The Strong Concordance, let me just break it down really quick. Um, so the Bible is comprised of two different um, testaments. One is the Old Testament one is the New Testament. The Old Testament is from the books of Genesis to, to the book of Malachi. And the New Testament is from Matthew to the book of Revelation. So the first five books of the Bible, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those five books are considered the Torah, which is the law, right? And so in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that is considered the gospels where you can find the life of Jesus and what he did when he was here on earth. So since the Bible is written in the Old Testament, it is written in Hebrew scrolls, right? The New Testament is written in Greek. So the Bible that we have, which is like the King James version or any other versions that that you may have, like the NIV or the New Living Translation All of these other versions has been translated from the Hebrew to the English, right? And so the Strong's Concordance, what it does, it provides us with an accurate definition of what the Hebrew scrolls interpret, interpreted from the Hebrew word and also interpreted from the Greek. So in order to analyze the Strong's Concordance, and it's in-depth analysis of it, you need to make sure that you're analyzing it from the King James Bible. So you have hundreds of different scholars that actually have interpreted the word of God through the Hebrew and the Greek, all right? And so this is what we have here, which is the Strong's Concordance. The Strong's has numbers attached to it. So for instance, I type in the word teach because this Bible verse, and we look in verse 12, Um, at the King James version, it says, but I suffer not a woman to teach. So basically teach women should not teach. Right. Um, and so if we go to the Strong's, we're going to go to first Timothy chapter two and verse 12. And so when you type in the word teach, it comes up each time that word was mentioned in the Bible. So the word teach was mentioned 108 times in the Holy Bible. It has 14 different names for the word teach. So just because we have one definition in English of what teach is, we have one definition of the word perfect. But in Hebrew the word perfect means tam, which is um it means to be mature in nature and in action. So perfect is different from when you look up the word perfect in the dictionary so the strong concordance divine defines the word perfect differently than our um marian dictionary or any other dictionary um any other secular dictionary so when you look at the word teach you're going to get 14 different definitions of this word okay so now i'm going to go to um find the actual scripture that we were just reading that's first timothy And two and twelve and so the word teach what it means is to learn see that it is the the, it is Strong's number one three two one it is pronounced didasko didasko d-i-d-a-s-k-o didasko it is a um, Greek word that means to learn and so when you go back to the scripture now if you could read verse twelve again, Evelyn, tell me what it says. Instead of using the word "teach," you you have to understand that "teach" means to learn. Okay,
0: got it. Okay, so let's read that again. Okay, so I do not permit a woman to learn or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet.
1: Right. Okay, so you you don't you don't teach a man in a way where you you're trying to have authority over that man. Yeah. Right? So you can you can learn, but you don't you don't teach. You don't teach that man to learn. You can't teach him because it says why? It in in verse 14, what does it say?
0: Adam was deceived. Adam what? He was deceived by her. Now, okay, let's read the scripture, okay? Yeah. Adam was first formed, then Eve and Adam was not the one who deceived it was a woman who was deceived and became a sinner but women will be saved through childbearing
1: so yeah that's going through the verse 15 so i just needed verse 14. so we look at that we see that women are easily enticed women are easily deceived so when we go back here and the bible tells us right that women should learn in silence so when we look at verse 11 According to the King James Bible it says let the woman learn in silence with all subjection that's verse 11 with all subjection so we are to, we are supposed to learn because man was created in the image of God woman was created from the womb of man and so that's that's why we are one man right we come from man right god pulled us out of man so man is in created in the image of god and we are created in the image of man um so we are supposed to if you go to first corinthians 11 first corinthians 11 and 3 could you read that
0: Okay, 1 Corinthians 11 3? Mm-hmm. Okay, 1 Corinthians 11 3. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and that the head of woman is a man and the head of Christ is God. I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God.
1: Yes. And so the way I always explain this scripture is simple. It's the Father which is God the son which is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit so in order to get to the father you must come through the son which is Jesus Christ so Christ the head of Christ is God okay and so the head of the Holy Spirit you the Holy Spirit you need to be equipped with the Holy Spirit in order to have access to Christ you want to be a you you're going to receive the Holy Spirit okay once you receive salvation once you receive God in your life so you receive access to the holy spirit now if you you know you give authority to the holy spirit to work in your life that's that comes along with it but that's a different podcast altogether. so um let's get back to the video and let's listen to what a lot of women are saying now is um their stance on what submission is
5: they're independent and like they can do it on their own if that makes sense I think it's a two-way
7: street, women are not submitting to someone that's not a provider and then obviously men are not going to provide for someone that's not submitting for them.
6: It's a mix of both. I think that men struggle to have the confidence to provide and the confidence to protect when women struggle to submit due to the program and that submitting is bad.
2: Are men more likely raised to be providers or are women more likely raised to be independent?
7: Oh, these questions are good because I feel like men uh, are not raised to be providers, but they should be. And women are raised to be independent. They should, but not as much as they are. As a man, like, you are expected to have a job and be able to take care
4: of a family. But is it like that for a woman, you know what I mean? Because, like, a lot of the times, like, a woman's not going to take care of a man. A woman is not going to provide a house for a man or food or and let the man just sit around and look pretty, like... A woman
2: on the first day I did $12,000 and that was like
5: wow that was cool we had about 800k
4: women can sit around look pretty and be there and their whole lives paid for like everything that they do is paid for so in reality overall like everything I feel like a woman would want a man to be the one to provide and the one that's gonna do things for them instead of the other way around
2: why have we changed
6: everything where it concerns women while men are still expected to play by the same old-fashioned gender roles? Because we live in a gynocentric world and everything's catered to the perspective, the needs, and the feelings of women.
4: Our world overall is feminist now. Um, women are always the victim. Women are always the ones that are are being abused or, or are the ones that are always like, something's always the problem. Like Men always do something wrong, you feel me? Like. I feel like, as a man... What was the question again?
2: <laughs> a lot of women want a masculine man to bring out their femininity and put her at ease. Isn't this just another way of saying the man takes all the blame and accountability?
6: Yeah, of course. Because as a as a woman, if you want a man to commit to you and decide he wants to be in a relationship and eventually be in a marriage, you should show that man what you provide. And what you provide should be submission. Is the modern woman's concept of femininity in opposition to accountability? Yeah, femininity, modern feminism, is all about you can do whatever you want and there's zero consequences and zero accountability. And a man will be at the, at the end waiting for you when you have to, almost no equal value to what you used to be. Do modern women prefer a daddy-daughter
2: relationship or a partnership? Partnership. Why? Uh,
0: daddy-daughter do- daddy is dominating and we don't want that. We want to feel in control as well.
5: Okay, right, modern women prefer a daddy-daughter relationship, and the reason why is because every so what
1: they what he means by daddy-daughter relationship is basically he's saying that do you want to be told what to do? Like, do you like a man to tell you what to do? And so, what's really confusing about this is that you know trauma one of the ladies, huh
0: those are trauma blinds, right? Yeah, I
1: think so. Sort of kind
0: of. um, Explain. Um, You know, like, a, so people go through traumas like abandonment issues or like if their dad wasn't there from them their whole life, you know, they kind of, you know, uh, leech on to people that, you know, give them that part that they think is missing and they think it's going to be, you know, forever or like a satisfaction, but it's just temporary. It's like, a you know, to, you know, kind of soften their wound.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, see, I think that that's kind of like a inverted perspective of it, like a negative part, because I think that like I was close to that, you know, and I looked up to him and I looked up, to, you know, to like a lot of males in our family. Yeah. And so when it comes to listening, I prefer to hear what the men have to say. I don't want to be a dictator in our relationship. I don't want... I want to be able to say, Hey, you know what, what should we do about this? Or, you know, like, what, what do you think? Should we make this investment? Should we, you know, like, I want to hear the perspective of the man, not, I don't want to go with my idea because like, I need to thoroughly analyze this. And I know that his perspective is going to be different from mine's. Um, so, you know, and also another thing is like mm-hmm. how mom, she always would say like, I'm, I'm more strict on faith than I am with my boys and stuff. But I think it's mainly because I think that as a woman, since women are easily enticed and um, by pleasures and in, in their eyes, how, how Eve mm-hmm. was, um, she was enticed to eat from the fruit of the mm-hmm. knowledge of good and evil when God commanded her not to, She because she did it because it was pleasing to her eye, you know, and it was desirable for wisdom, you know? So she's trying to satisfy her desire and was pleasing to her. And so I think that as a woman, we have to sort of let go of our desires and our pleasures and allow ourselves to be molded to the way that God wants us to be because we see that the fall of man was due to Eve's pleasures and her desires. And so I think that the fall of man again will be the pleasures and desires of the woman so unless um, society changes feminism is really becoming uh, prevalent in society um so did you want to add anything to that?
0: yeah I, I wasn't saying that you know I had a trauma bond when she was saying it and you asked me you was like sister elaborate that that's what I was elaborating on and that in part of what they were saying there. That's all. I wasn't like saying that's something I went through.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. So I I think that you know I think some women they do probably go through that t- sort of like trauma experience where they they just need a person to you know um, direct them, give them directives in life. Yeah. But specifically when it talks about submission, it's it's our it's actually a part of our duty um, for us to be submissive. So yeah. Okay, let's finish part of this video. All right, let's
5: do it single dance. woman that I know wants to be taken care of
3: nowadays.
6: I think most women think they want a partnership, but when they have a partnership, one thing they realize is that a lot of stress comes with that. And you realize when you actually get into a a committed partnership that you don't want that. What you really want is a man to have one hundred percent of all the responsibility all the accountability, all the decision-making, everything is on him because that allowed you to be in your feminine role as a woman and to be able to submit and follow. So is the modern woman's
2: concept of femininity in opposition to accountability? 100%. Why do modern women have more of a problem submitting to a husband than they do submitting to an employer?
5: Because the employer is on time. The employer is going to pay them.
2: (laughs) Aren't both women being provided for?
5: They are, but they don't have to work as hard.
7: One is being provided for in a dependency way. Mm-hmm. They're dependent on this person or doing something for them for that. The other person is kinda of going off their talents and whatever degree they have. They've kind of earned their way in the world, they're moving their way up and earning money. And the man is doing the same thing. Whoever's taking care of the sugar daddy, he's submitting it to an employer as well. So
2: why do women think they are free when they serve their boss? but slaves when they serve their husband and children.
7: Wow, I guess because they're getting paid, they don't see the monetary value in what they're getting from their husbands, and that's sad. But it could also be because maybe some husbands overstep their boundaries. Maybe they feel like they have a doormat instead of a wife. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a mom. Like, Mm -hmm. I definitely don't feel...
3: No type of slave when it comes to me serving my baby. Um, it just comes out of love. In regards to a man, some women probably feel like they're slaving towards a man because it's not 50-50 on the emotional side. She's giving a lot, he's not giving enough, or vice versa. So,
2: What's the difference between being old-fashioned and being sexist?
4: Old-fashioned is respect. Sexist is what you're expecting. I feel like old-fashioned, when you look at it, it's like casual, like... The man's the one that's going to go work and the woman's going to stay home and wash the kids. And that's something that, or wash kids, cook clean. That's something that's been going on for years now. And I feel like that wouldn't be looked at as sexist if it's something that's been happening because women do want to be the ones staying home and not working. You feel me? So old fashioned, I feel that that has a lot
3: to do with your upbringing. When it comes to sexist, everyone has an opinion as far as what a woman should be doing and what a man should be doing but
6: sexism what we consider now is what tradition and normal normality was back then but today that's considered sexism but it was not sexism back then
4: i feel like being sexist would be something like hatred towards the under other gender but gender roles i don't feel is sexist i feel like gender roles is something that comes naturally between both genders
2: are women more likely With the price of just about everything inflating these days, you may wonder why mint is deflating the price of Mint Unlimited. I'm more likely to make snap judgments or be indecisive.
5: Indecisive.
2: Why is it that no woman in history ever knows where we should go eat?
5: (laughs) I don't know, but it's
4: true. See, you got to use reverse psychology on that. Be like, babe, let's go to Burger King. No, I want McDonald's.
5: (laughs) You got to use reverse psychology. (laughs) I got got this. Yeah. So we always know where we want to eat. Don't get me wrong. Yes. The reason we're we're like, we don't know, is because we want you to tell us where you want to go. Be the man, put your f***ing dick down, and say, this is where we are going. We always, always know where we want to go.
2: Is it fair to expect a man's commitment from a woman who can't make up her own mind? Mm, Not at all. Not at all. because if you don't know what you want.
0: Yeah, no uh, one is going to wait around.
2: Yeah, you might be in the wrong place
6: to start with. What are your thoughts on the expression, women are always right? It's false. Women are not always right. In fact, I would argue that 95% of the time they're wrong. Men are just afraid to lose access to that woman to tell them that they're wrong. If women are always right, how do lesbians settle arguments? Well,
1: so I like what he said. He said that, so women... Are ninety five percent wrong. So, but men are afraid because they are afraid to lose access to that woman. So they just say that they're right. And so, what? What are you? What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I feel like it. You know, like when it comes to like the values, I think that that's something that's instilled. Like you know, like moral values, like right and wrong. You know, or. You know, like how grandma used to be, you know, taking us to church, reading the Bible with us, you know, and it it, it was, it you know, the, the love that she had for Christ, you know, it's it's hard to see these days, you know, so just starting there, like that just being a starting point, that that's a good start, mm-hmm. you know, because that tells you like right and wrong, you know, morals and values. But the sexist part to me, uh, it's all out of butt because God created men and women. He didn't create man and man or woman and woman, <laughs> so that's what we read about. And even though it's tough to change, you know, our perspective because of the society that we're living in, it's gonna our decision making. It's gonna get harder, but that's why we have to draw near to God because even though it may be hard for someone to, you know, change, you know, the preference of you know who they want to be with. You know, it was hard for me to stop drinking liquor. You know. And so I, that was very hard for me, you know? But it's it's like the closer I get to God, the more I want to be just like him. So that's my opinion for the morals and values and the sexist information.
1: I love that. Um, I love the way you said that the more and more, the closer you get to God, the more and more you want to be just like him. And I think mm-hmm. that society is something that you brought up, how, you know, um, just society overall is, shaping this perspective because of the dominant culture.
0: Yep.
1: And, and I believe that, you know, we all contribute to the rise or the fall of these type of perspectives. And it's like, since we believe in God, we believe in God, you believe in God. That was an amazing statement that you said. The more and more I get closer to god the more and more i want to be like him how many women or how many people you think say that you know and it's like it's it's all about what's in your heart is spoken out of your mouth so that Mm -hmm. there it shows that that's genuine you know Mm -hmm. because that was passion that came out you know what i'm saying so it's like i think about all of these perspectives and i say okay well wait a minute how are you contributing to this type of perspective in society we are the ones that are that are maintaining these ideologies that are in contrary to the word of god you know and so um i I do want to stop at some point on this video and i know that you had to go so if you needed to go now that that's fine um or did you want to stay a little bit you could just let me know okay
0: um i'm ahead of now
1: Okay. All right. I know you had to do some things. So I love you. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry. I literally just got home. I'm so sorry, but I I always like to
0: come in and listen to you and be a part of it. Please don't forget about me. Oh,
1: yeah. No, 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 no. Thank you so much. Thank you. I got you. Okay. Good night,
0: y'all. All right. Okay. Bye. All right. So now let's
1: get back started to the video
7: whoever's the most dominant they already know they're they're where you be boy and of course i'm gonna be girl so i'm gonna be right
3: (laughs) we are always right i feel like because i feel like women mature much quick much much faster than men i feel like we get it and you guys just you know it 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 takes you a minute but it's okay because we're willing to work with you sometimes sometimes Mm
2: -hmm. why does so many women need to be right even if they're wrong
3: some, some women have ego issues. Um, <laughs> ego issues, definitely.
2: Well, oh. why should men believe that women will submit in a relationship if they won't even submit in an argument?
5: Okay. Because in an argument, you're not really thinking clearly, I guess. Right. We-
0: <laughs> Planes.
3: Multiverses. We we, like us as women we we react off of emotions Mm -hmm. so sometimes we do say things out that we just truly don't mean so
1: a lot of the times when a woman so i don't think that women mature faster than men i believe that it is the other way around um i believe that women are more curious um because of their desire for things which leads them to exploring more but um, as far as maturity I disagree with that because I believe that mature um, is being mature in nature and in action so I look at the perfect perfect word of in the Hebrew word uh, Tam which means mature in nature and in action and so when we think about Adam and Eve I think that you know Adam um, in the situation he wasn't the one that was deceived first um the the enemy had to use the woman that came out of adam to deceive him the the enemy couldn't come to adam and say hey you know did god really say that you shouldn't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you know so the serpent had a conversation with the woman he did not have a conversation with the man and so i think that many people fail uh fail to realize that you know um women are more curious and yes we are more um you know it's exploration we we want to explore things more exploratory is what i meant to say so when you think about those things that leads to being inquisitive it also leads to you know um women having more um curiosity for things which lead which causes them to think that they're more mature when in fact it's just the curiosity that's different from the man. So um, the pleasing of the eye and the desires of the heart is what interferes with, you know, the quality of what God really created the woman to be, which we are created to be a helpmate. And so let's let me finish playing this video.
4: Woman doesn't want to feel like she's wrong. She'll say something to play against a man or she'll try to change it up because she knows she's wrong. Like she won't admit to like her her issues her problems so how are you supposed to fix a relationship a man should not should not be expected to submit to a woman who can't even take a wrong in in an argument
2: is it easier for a woman to get a man to commit or for a man to get a woman to submit
7: it's easier to get a man to commit because they're naturally um you know they're they like to chase so
1: Even if they have. And so this is a problem because it's easier to get a man to commit because, like the guy said, he said, so he's gonna just say that she's right even if she's not right because he doesn't wanna lose access to her. So the problem is, is that if, you know, we as women, you know, God has created us to be a helpmate. So how can so many women claim that they believe in God when in fact go against what the word of God is saying? And so um, in order to fully understand what the word of God says, you have to understand the, the Bible and understand what it specifically is saying. And what is your contribution to maintaining these secular ideologies or secular beliefs in society? These beliefs are indirect contrast to what the word of god is saying so if we are a people if we are a race that is supportive of god and we have these spiritual beliefs in god why is it so easy to support ideologies that are in contrary to what god is saying when he's saying why submit unto your husband um so Let's let's finish listening to the video
7: At everything there that's just in their gene to keep it going A woman will submit if she's taken care of love properly properly she'll she'll submit to that
3: A lot of women like they're lonely and they want to they want a lot of men to to fill that void So they'll literally do anything to submit to a man just to be taken that's why I feel it's, it's more submissive
1: Why should women okay so I believe that that is wrong um <laughs> it's not just because you just want a man like for me i have a lot of different options right but just because i have options doesn't mean that it is the right option so i weigh my options because god has given me the ability to have discernment so i don't just settle because my submission is something that is a rare quality in today's society and so i have made the mistake of being in the wrong relationship and I submitted to the wrong person. And so um, did it, what did it do to me? It didn't do pretty much. It didn't do nothing. It taught me what not to do. And so it's so important to understand that, yes, there are submissive women that don't just need to be submissive because we're desperate. I'm not
5: desperate
1: at all. I have option overload. And um that's for anything because I know that there is a rare quality of submiss- submissive women, and I am a very submissive woman. And so when it says in the Bible that when a when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing, and he receives blessing by the Lord. And so the my husband is is going to find me, right? And so that's what I need to ideology and perspective on this issue is just blatant out wrong (laughs) and it's kind of comedial to me i don't know why a person would have that perspective it doesn't make any sense to me why would i want to submit to someone just because i'm desperate absolutely not women that are submissive have uh values and i believe that my values specifically are held at a high rate of standards so what she's saying is inaccurate, I think.
2: Determine that a man leads before she'll submit.
3: Oh. Because I don't want to be led blindly. I need to know that you have a good relationship with the Lord. You're going to be mm-hmm. stable as far as, like, providing. You're going to be a provider for, for me and the baby. Like, I I need to know those things before I submit to you. Because with me being independent, like, I technically don't need you. So it's just, like, you're kind of, like, an added bonus. So
1: Okay, so see... I read the comments cause I'm always reading <laughs> and I read that uh, it was a, quite a few people that said something about what she said here. So she said that technically, well, she says that she's an independent woman. And, um, so, so technically, you know, having a man is an added bonus. And so that, but the first thing she said was like in contrary, because first you said, you want to make sure that he believes in the Lord. But what you're saying is in contradiction to what the Lord is saying and what the Bible says. And so that is wrong. Um, And it's not about who's right. It's just about what's right and what are we maintaining in society? How are you contributing to these type of ideologies that's in society? So I had did my podcast. um, I believe it was Life. Where is the instruction manual? I think it's under there. I've been doing so many um podcast that i just don't even know which one it was but i talked about how a lot of celebrity women were um saying that they are submissive wise for instance uh i think it was jeezy wife um i talked about her i talked about a bunch of different celebrity women who said that they were submissive and so having um Men having submissive women, or submissive wives is something that is a rare quality because of feminism being so prevalent in society. So for her to talk about the Lord in one breath and then on the extension of that, say, you know, having a man is an added bonus, like as if she doesn't need him. And so I think that this is very sad. It's very sad. Because if. and and then so this is where I was going to end this video at on this um this part right here so moving forward I want to kind of transition into eugenics and so this plays a key role in how eugenics is really impacting society so as I had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that yes I was uncomfortable wearing a dress but I wore it Because I have to learn how to get uncomfortable doing things that I'm not normally used to like for instance Wearing a dress. I would like to change my wardrobe, right? So if I'm going to change my wardrobe I need to wear different clothes and be diverse in the way that I dress and so although it was uncomfortable it was something that I have to get used to and Eugenics is something that is a very uncomfortable topic and so this is something that we need to learn how to um engage with how are you contributing to the discussion surrounding eugenics? How are you contributing to the mutilation of children? This is that's basically what it is. So um, in the same aspect, we still need to understand first how is it starting? How has society short sort of shifted into agreeing to these abnormalities of uh eugenics? That's something that was shown upon many years ago and now it's so prominent and prevalent in society. So I believe um, based upon what the Holy Spirit is telling me is that it starts with the way um, women's perspective is about submission. So before I get into the eugenics and the more in-depth analysis about that, I wanted to look at this article basically from gotquestions.org. It talks about does a wife have to submit to her husband? So in order for us, to be able to combat some of these ideologies that are really uh detriment to society we need to understand what the bible talks about with submission Um, uh, so uh okay so does a wife have to submit to her husband so this article talks about ephesians 5 22 and 24 that i just read wives submit to your own husbands as you do to the lord So many women, right? Some people think that it's okay to, you know, have a relationship with someone else's husband. And and so they don't fear any consequences. And so like the guy on the video, he said women, um, he said femininity is more, I guess, more prevalent in society. While the lack of accountability with women doesn't exist. Basically, that is in layman's terms, the way that I interpret it. Um, so if you have a, a perspective about the way you interpret that video, please put it in the comments on the blog and I'll approve those comments and we can have a discussion there. Um, so why submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So, so we can say that women that don't choose to have their own husbands, right. And choose to have someone else's husbands they lack accountability. So we see this is happening in society when the divorce rate is so high, right? Um, And and I believe that it's also correlated with the thinking process. So I don't know if I'm gonna be able to even talk, get a chance to talk about eugenics today, because I wanted to shift and talk about another article in psychology today. Um, And so this is like an article that's interchangeably with the article about um, at questions.org and it talks about thinking positive and um, boosting your positive thinking And, And so Going back to this Bible verse Why submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord? what are some reasons why women don't want their own husband they want someone else's husband they want someone else's man okay well it starts in the thinking it starts in the mind right for me i don't want someone else's man i'm not going to mess with your man i'm not going to mess with your husband there are too many men in this world there is option overload and as I've said before, just because you have the option doesn't mean that it's a good option. So you weigh your options, and you do that with the Holy Spirit. And so, um, but why? Why do women choose to have someone else's have someone else's man or husband? Well, it's because of what they think. It's the you know their thinking could be impacted by their level of self esteem. Um, in addition to their um, spiritual relationship, are they spiritually inclined? Are they um, specifically like just focused on um are they just focused on their desires are they focused on their own pleasures or are they just thinking about self so are they selfish so um in order to strengthen this like positive um perspectives in your mind you need to strengthen the memory of positive information. So this is what it's saying on psychology today. And so this art article was written by um, Dr. Davis um, and it's called Think Positive, 11 Ways to Boost Positive Thinking. Um, It can also decrease your level of stress and every moment will be worth the experience. So by thinking positive, you just can't help but to be optimistic. But how can one be optimistic if, if they don't see themselves as being good enough to have their own husband? And so now you have the traditional, um, the, the marriage is now taken out of the home and the value that it comes with is also diminished. It has dissipated in the, in the homes of a lot of people. And so you have a large um an increased amount of divorces because marriages are not valued the way that they used to be or traditionally right and so we go to the next sentence it says for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior and so christ is the savior so in the same breath the lady said she wants to know that he believes in the lord but then she says he's an added bonus So does your words match your actions? You know, does your words really match your belief systems? So um, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. So I strongly believe this, but let's think about this for a minute.
2: If you're submitting
1: to someone going to make you lose everything. Why would you submit to to passive femininity that is dominating society or the American culture, right? And it's making the men passive, so they don't. It. And and so it's really it's this. It's just terrible when you think about it. It's horrible. It's it's really said to think about the trajectory of where society feminism so how does this correlate with eugenics so let me talk about eugenics for a moment so eugenics is basically like the pseudoscientific theory it's an inaccurate pseudoscientific theory that basically says that you could help populations of people by racially cleansing them so sterilization. And so I talked about this, I believe, in earlier podcasts. I believe it was on this podcast where I did talk about specifically the eugenics. So let me go ahead and get into the blog here. And I want to kind of shift focus about um wait, there is a couple other verses I would like to look at. Okay, so first, and so this article got questions talks about. Um, Adam was formed first, then Eve. So that's 1 Timothy and 2 and 13. Um, In Genesis 2, 18 and 20, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. So I will make him a helper fit for him. And so this is a very interesting point right here. Because see, God had created everything. Everything that God had created it, it was all good up until the point of verse 18 and then the lord god said it is not good that the man should be alone that was the only thing that god had made that wasn't good right and the fact that he's giving us our free will all right and so our sometimes the free will part doesn't choose him and then that's when the problems happen um so um but going back to verse uh, Genesis 2, 18, I will make him a helper fit for him. So God created the woman to be the helper. Um, now, before I go into eugenics, I wanted to go back to this verse on 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 15. I want to look at, I want to look at, um, I'm going to read this again and then transition into that. So a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. And so as the bible talks about this and in the king james bible it mentions the um a woman should learn in in um silence right and so learn learn basically right and so we see in the strong concordance that the word teach means to learn all right and so In verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. So you cannot, you cannot teach a man. You cannot assume authority over that man. You can learn from that man. So that is what God is telling us in the word, right? And is this in red? No, it is not because we know that the word of God is all, all scripture is God breathed. And it's, let's to that verse. okay so if you go to um second Timothy 316 it says all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so although this um scripture first timothy 2 11 through 15 is not in red where it is jesus speaking it is still inspired by god right and, and so this is so important to understand like looking here in verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Verse 15, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So, women will be saved through chowberry if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. So, what this means is not women being saved because they desires or they pleasures, because that was the fall. So, we have to understand how are you contributing to eugenics how are you contributing to the demise of the american culture how are you how are you contributing to the separation of family values if you can say lord in one voice and then say you don't believe in submission in the next then somewhere between lord and submission is you are confused so we are all contributing to some type of support level either you're in support of uh, traditional marriage uh, or you're in support of being a submissive wife you are either in disagreement but there is still some support level either in agreement or in disagreement so Let's look at the blog. And then I'll go back to the Psychology Today article. Um, So let's look here. Let's talk about eugenics. I have a video that I would like to show about eugenics before I even get started into that. But I am going to be using this Psychology um, Today article about positive thinking. Hold on one second. I'm trying to pull it up. I don't know why it's freezing like that. Mm. Okay, stop. Okay, there we go. One second. I you I almost got it. Okay, uh chinks Wait, wait, wait. okay, why is it
7: uh...
1: second I really have to reorganize this okay so let me pull up this video so this is a video How eugenics had erased black history okay and so let me look at the comment here so the author has posted this video is a combination of past videos um the author had created this video to help everyone make sense of how the United States and world history was rewritten and whitewashed although this video appears quite lengthy it covers a vast amount of information I suggest watching it in parts the follow-up video to this one will go more in depth on the subject of how history was rewritten and so there are only a few different sections of this um, video that I would like to play and so I'm gonna go to the one that is 12 minutes and um, 40 well let me look at the six minute mark how and why
8: video. I have been trying to figure out how and why history was rewritten, and beyond that, how it was adopted worldwide. Well, folks, this video will delve into exactly those two questions, how and why. So now that we've dealt with the definitions of eugenics and white supremacy, let me move on to say, as I've conducted my research over the last several years, trying to figure out, at what point did American society change? I kept coming back to the end of the American Civil War. In a time during reconstruction. Some of this information was covered in my last video, the Black Southern Confederacy. Looking at the time period of approximately-
1: Okay, so um, I don't wanna cover that part because
8: that's kinda all right. So I'm gonna
1: go back to- did eugenics
8: erase Black history? How did eugenics erase Black history? I'm gonna read the introduction history. of the book I mentioned, War on the Week by Edwin Black. This should give you some idea of what the eugenics movement was all about. Just be forewarned, it's somewhat lengthy, but I feel it's necessary in order to understand what went on in the United States and abroad during the onset of the height of the eugenics movement. Just as a disclaimer, I don't receive any compensation for talking about this book, nor have I ever been contacted by the author or its publisher. Okay, so the introduction goes on to state, voices haunted the pages of every book. This particular book, however, speaks of the never born for those whose questions have never been heard for those who have never existed. Throughout the first six decades of the 20th century, hundreds of thousands of Americans and untold numbers of others were not permitted to continue their families by reproducing. Selected because of their ancestry, national origin, race, or religion, they were forcibly sterilized, wrongly committed to mental institutions, where they died in great numbers, prohibited from marrying and sometimes even unmarried by state bureaucrats. In America, this battle wiped out whole ethnic groups was not fought by armies with guns, nor by hate sects at the margins. Rather, this pernicious white-gloved war was prosecuted by esteemed professors, elite universities, wealthy industrialists, and government officials included in a racist, pseudo-scientific movement called eugenics. The purpose? Create a superior Nordic race. To perpetuate the campaign, widespread academic fraud combined with almost unlimited corporate philanthropy to establish the biological rationales for persecution. Employing a haze amalgam of guesswork, gossip, falsified information, and polysyllabic academic arrogance, the eugenics movement slowly constructed a national bureaucratic and juridical infrastructure to cleanse America of its unfit. Suspicious intelligence tests, colloquially known as IQ tests, were invented to justify incarceration of a group labeled feeble-minded. Often the so-called feeble-minded were just shy, too good-natured to be taken seriously, or simply spoke the wrong language. or were the wrong color. Mandatory sterilization laws were enacted in some 27 states to prevent targeted individuals from reproducing more of their kind. Marriage prohibition laws proliferated throughout the country to stop race mixing. Collusive litigation was taken to the U.S. Supreme Court, which sanctified eugenics and its tactics. The goal was to immediately sterilize 14 million people in the United States and millions more worldwide, the lower 10th, and then continuously eradicate the lowest remaining tenth until only a pure Nordic race remained. Ultimately, some 60,000 Americans were coercively sterilized, and the total is probably much higher. No one knows how many marriages were thwarted by state felony statutes. Although much of the persecution was simply racism, ethnic hatred, and academic elitism, eugenics wore the mantle of respectable science to mask its true character. The victims of eugenics were poor urban dwellers and rural white trash from New England to California. Immigrants from across Europe, blacks, Jews, Mexicans, Native Americans, epileptics, alcoholics, petty criminals, the mentally ill, and anyone else who did not resemble the blonde and blue-eyed Nordic ideal the eugenics movement glorified. Eugenics contaminated many otherwise worthy social, medical, and educational causes, from the birth control movement to the development of psychology to urban sanitation. Psychologists persecuted their patients, teachers stigmatized their students, charitable associations clamored to send those in need of help to lethal chambers they hoped would be constructed. Immigration assistance bureaus convened to send the most needy to sterilization mills. Leaders of the ophthalmology profession conducted a long and chilling political campaign to round up and coercively sterilize every relative of every American with a vision problem. All of this churned throughout America years before the Third Reich rose in Germany. Eugenics targeted all mankind, so of course its scope was global. American eugenic evangelists spawned similar movements and practices throughout Europe, Latin America, and Asia. Forced sterilization laws and regimes took root on every continent. Each local American eugenic ordinance or statute from Virginia to Oregon was promoted internationally as yet another precedent to be emulated by the international movement. A tight-knit network of mainstream medical and eugenical journals, international meetings, and conferences kept the generals and soldiers of eugenics up-to-date and armed with their nation's next legislative opportunity. Eventually, America's eugenic movement spread to Germany as well, where it caught the fascination of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi movement. Under Hitler, eugenics creed beyond any American eugenicist's dream. National Socialism transcended America's quest for a superior Nordic race into Hitler's drive for an Aryan master race. The Nazis were fond of saying National Socialism is nothing but applied biology. And in 1934, the Richmond Times Dispatch quoted a prominent American eugenicist as saying, The Germans are beating us at our own game. The Gypsies, the rape of Poland, and the decimation of all Europe. But none of America's far-reaching scientific racism would have risen above ignorant rants without the backing of corporate philanthropic larges. Within these pages, you will discover the sad truth of how scientific rationales that drove so, killer doctors at Auschwitz were first...
1: So philanthropic uh, larges is basically like organizations that practice philanthropy, basically charity, charitable organizations. Um, they are the ones who can uphold... A lot of different things in society because they support um a lot of different causes and so people support these type of causes and so i talked about this already on the last podcast i believe it was um what was the podcast uh i think it was the devil's tone and other hypnotic tones oh was it that i don't know um yeah i think it was that what was it that one I don't know for sure i'll I'll just have to look that up again i've been talking so much about different subjects so just go through my blogs and you'll be able to see the ones that i've talked about but it's talking about philanthropy and how it impacts you know um society's perspective on certain causes for instance i think let me see i'll look that up while the video is playing
8: on Long Island at the Carnegie Institution's eugenic enterprise at Cold Spring Harbor. You will see that during the pre-war Hitler regime, the Carnegie Institution, through its Cold Spring Harbor complex, enthusiastically propagandized for the Nazi regime and even distributed anti-Semitic Nazi party films to American high schools. And you will see the links between the Rockefeller Foundation's massive financial grants and the German scientific establishment that began the eugenics programs that were finished by Mengele at Auschwitz. Only after the truth about Nazi extermination became known did the American eugenics movement fade. American eugenics institutions rushed to change their names from eugenics to genetics. Right. Okay, so I know that was a lot.
1: All right, now, so, so the, the interesting part about this is... Um, eugenics okay so like let me go to this i talked about this um eugenics already on the genome so let me get here so you go to genome.gov let's see i think it was which one was that i was talking about
0: hmm
1: okay so go to the it's on the national human genome research institute that's where it's at okay so the podcast that i talked about this on was love hate and benevolence so you have to go there it is love hate and benevolence that's the group and so when you go to um eugenics basically it is an immoral pseudoscientific theory That claims it is possible to perfect all of these people um through uh racial cleansing and so let me explain how racial cleansing is racial cleansing is being able to get an abortion um targeting a certain race of people um meaning that these people so for instance on the genome.gov website it talks about Galton defines eugenics and gives birth to a moment so in 1883 we see that charles darwin's cousin derived the term eugenics from the greek word eugene's meaning good and birth so good stock and so it they um termed a book in 1883 that basically inquiries into human fertility and its development so that is in 1883 Going moving forward to 1905, we have the eugenics society begin to form globally, right? So you have a German biologist, his name is Alfred Plotz, who coined the term racial hygiene. And so, what does this mean? Well, um, the Nazi race based uh, uh, had a significant influence on eugenics in 1904. Um, so they basically archived racial and social biology. So the first journal that focused primarily on racial hygiene and eugenics um, was in 1905 in Germany. So moving forward, i like to go to 1920. You have the Kansas holds Fitter Family Contest. So in this Fitter Family Contest, basically you have judges with grade children ages 6, to 48 months on their physical appearance and their supposed mental capacity and based off of that the contest was held at like the kansas state free fair and what happened was um the better baby contests were explicitly tied to eugenics so basically they they'll take these little babies six to 48 months and then they'll um they'll get families to participate and required them to submit a record of their family traits. And so doctors then would analyze their physiological and um, psychological tests and determine if these babies were eugenical worthy. So the winning families were always white, and um, they reflected the ideals of the larger eugenics movements in the United States. So they picked these babies out that they thought was like really nice looking babies and then they wanted to have the family history of these families right and so that was the first um basically the better baby contest 1920 and so moving forward to just say 1927 you have buck versus bell county so in 1924 you have a patient who was epileptic her name was uh um albert pretty well no that's not her name that was the superintendent of virginia so um virginia state was a colony um for epileptics and feeble-minded people and so they had an 18 year old patient who was intellectually disabled and this is a picture with her and her mom right And so her mother had a history of prostitution. And so they had, um, her mom had been sexually assaulted, but she was considered feeble-minded. And so this is the first legal case to sterilize an intellectually disabled person. And they had an eight to one vote. Um, and so they sterilized her so that she was not able to reproduce. That is racial and ethnic cleansing going to 1932 there is the third international congress of eugenics was held where there were about a hundred different delegates that attended the eugenics Confer- congress so the congress exhibit hall is, is pictured here and so this was back in the 1930s where um there were many prominent scientists and they were open um critical critically open to these sort of merit eugenics right and they had a genesis by the name of thomas hunt morgan and statistician raymond pearl and so what they did was they wanted to point out the eugenesis flawed experimental methods so instead of them they um they had this overly simplistic application of mendeline uh genetics in their races and classes biases So, geneticist Herbert Jennings uh, criticized the beliefs that the European immigrants were more prone to being criminals than other types of immigrants. And so, what they were saying was they wanted to conduct more studies on these uh, criminals because they wanted to perform eugenics on them, okay? So, moving forward to 1939, we had the eugenics record office closed. Now you can go back to genome.gov and you, you can look at all of the years. I'm just moving forward in the years. There are a bunch of years that talks about all of these different events that have taken place around America, right? When it comes to eugenics. So in 1939, we had the eugenics record office closed. Um, so this was onset of the world war II in 1939. And um, so the U.S. population had learned finally that scientists and politicians in Nazi Germany had advocated for uh, eugenics policies, basically like forcing sterilization against Jews and, and um, persecution of minorities. And so basically this was like a horrific reality. Right. For a lot of different people, it, it was very unpopular in the United States during 1935. Um, so. What they did was a committee of scientists, they wanted to study the validity of eugenics research, and it was supported by the Eugenics Record Office, which is pictured right here. Okay, so in 1939, Vannevar Bush, the president of Carnegie uh, Institution, cut the funding for the Eugenics Record Office, which led to its closing in December of 1939. So you see, they had an entire office that received funding to basically sterilize um, criminals and uh, minorities and Jews, okay? And so going forward to 1945, we see eugenics in post-war period where you have the eugenics had been adapted and changed after World War II. So um, most of the U.S. academics and scientists of the eugenic community, they kind of distanced themselves probably because of the the closing of the office. Right. Um, in 1939. So you have many gen- eugenicists that became advocates of Neo um, Malthusianism, And so the belief that global population should be reduced to prevent mass starvation and societal uh, com- collapse. So what they were saying here, um, Robert Cook, he was a board member of the American Eugenic Society and population uh, consultant to the National Institutions uh, National Institutes of Health. He was also the president of the Population Reference Bureau. Okay, so you have some of these geneticists, geneticists who, including Kurt Stern and Deal um, who reformulated eugenics based on improved knowledge of human genetics so now they've added an emphasis on individual choice and also autonomy and so they still believe that people with serious hereditary defects should be placed in institutions and they also believe that involuntary sterilization should be applied through social pressure so that they will not have children okay so that is basically what eugenics is moving forward to 1983 we have oregon is one of the last states to repeal its sterilization law so in many states they had repealed sterilization laws decades after world war ii so virginia had repealed its eugenical sterilization act in 1974 um and there were about 20,000 people that were sterilized in California in 1979. And so in 1983, Oregon became the last state to repeal its sterilization law. And so by that time there were about 2,600, 2,700 people that had been sterilized in that state. So it took almost 20 years for Oregon to stop their sterilization. All right. And so going to 1994, we have this, now there's a resurgence of eugenics. So (laughs) I am actually doing my research on um, CRISPR technology. And so CRISPR technology does have some forms of eugenics, but I'm not going to get into that today. I I would like to just finish off with the night in 1994, we have the bell curve and modern concerns about resurgence of eugenics so the bell curve is shaped this way right and so it's like this and so you have an equal distribution they want to have an equal distribution of eugenics so we have richard hernstein and charles murray who published the bell curve in 1994 and so um These authors argue that genetics determine intelligence and social mobility. And so in American society, genetics cause African-Americans and European Americans to have different IQ scores. So this is what they're saying is the the difference from African-Americans and Europeans is that we all have different IQ scores. So that's one differentiating quality um, that they've identified. So James Watson, Thing. he was the former director of cold spring harbor laboratory and he was also the director of national center for human genome research um, institute and so he was also a key figure in the human genome project and this has been repeated since 2000 so watson has made comments that publicly support the scientifically racist claims in the bell curve and other words so recently Groundbreaking technology, CRISPR-Cas9, and that is something that I'm researching, CRISPR technology, have raised some, some concerns about using genome editing methods to make genetic enhancements. So the genetic enhancement that they're talking about is the racial cleansing of particular groups of people. So, for instance, CRISPR technology could change the sex of your child when you are pregnant with that child. The problem is, is that once that child reaches a certain age of maturity, maybe just say 25 years old and you have changed their biology, their physiological traits. Now there is a concern of tort prosecution because now you as a parent, Did you have a right to change that child's biological traits when that child didn't give you permission to do so? And so I was having a, I prayed to God today and I had a conversation with God about this. And so I, it was like the Holy spirit led me to coming up with this discussion. What lawyers are protecting children while they're in the womb? because at this point giving access to children to be able to decide adult decisions that are irreversible are considered eugenics. So let's talk about this for a minute. Now look here. Um, on that video that I played on how eugenics erase black history, it says one commentator stated, Imagine your history being so bad and your ancestors being so evil, you don't want your descendants to know about it. But really, I think it's kind of like beyond this, you know, um evil quality, right? Um, it is actually sinister in nature. So why is eugenics still prevalent in society? We see that eugenics has been shaped in a way to sterilize people with mental disabilities, um, minorities that are deemed um, non-effective in society. And so the sterilization is done through you know women are getting fibroids they're having um getting ovarian cancer they have an infertility issues with dioxins you would you have to think and ask yourself who is contributing to maintaining these type of ideologies in society why is it okay for women to use tissue sanitary pads tampons Soap, including but not limited, to many other different products that is causing infertility, these products have dioxide dioxins to cause infertility. So before I close today, because I got a few minutes here. I want to read this scripture. It's uh Isaiah one five through six. It says, "Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only one. Excuse me. Only one." and and open doors not cleansed or bad so eugenics is something that is very very bad in society but think about this scripture for a minute Isaiah 1 5 and 6 why should you continue to be beaten why why do we as women continue to allow certain ideas ideologies and you promote and sponsor these ideologies that are bringing about the detriment the racial and ethnic cleansing and society so if a child under the age of 18 who is born into a world that choices are already being shaped for them before they begin speaking options are already being stimulated for them before they start walking whose responsibility is it to make sure that the children are not being racially eugenics racially sterilized because once a person has surgery has a transformation they are going through a transformation a sexual transformation that is irreversible the chances are getting it back reverse is is slim to none so how did we as a society contribute to these ideologies well let's talk about Margaret Sanger tomorrow in her Negro project so she, Margaret Sanger she um, is a is it is a uh, the Negro project is a wide discussion with Planned Parenthood across the country So Margaret Sanger, she was a racist that wanted to exterminate Blacks, Jews, Hebrews, and Latinx through eugenics. She is the founder of Planned Parenthood. So we'll talk about her tomorrow. Okay, but let me go ahead and stop sharing the screen and let me pray. So, Father God, we just come before your throne. Thank you so much for leading me in this discussion. I pray that you allow us to understand your word, understand your purpose and will through the under more uh closeness that we have with you. So the closer we draw to you, God, allow us to understand your word better. Allow us to interpret it, perceive its meaning, and have revelation of your word. Um, most importantly, God, we just ask that you just please allow your will to be done. And God. Please let us not contribute to the demise of society. Let us not contribute to anything that is in contrary to you, what your word says, God. Shaking and awaken all of your children so that we can fully understand and interpret what your word is meaning. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Um if you wanted to get prayer send me an email and i'll be sure to send you one back with um if you wanted to suggest a topic send that to you can email me directly at deanna watson at suddenchangescorporation.org. if you wanted to become an author or, or um maybe an intern you need to complete some community service for court please send me an email at info at org.